as our little ones move to Little Church, I'm going to ask you to just let a holy hush come over this place. Just bow your heads, close your eyes. Think about what you've just sung. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Thank you, Father. I don't understand the totality of your holiness. My finite mind can't grasp that. But because I can't grasp it, it doesn't change it. It's true. It's reality. You are holy. You are God. Father, we've worshipped you in, in our greetings and encouraging one another this morning. We've worshipped you in prayer. We've worshipped you in song. We've worshipped you in giving. Now, Father, we want to worship you by paying attention to what you have to say to us in your word. Would you speak very clearly to each one of us? I know you've got a special message for everybody here. And what you've got to say to me, Father, is different than what you've got to say to somebody else because I'm a different person. And how marvelous it is that you speak to us individually. You don't just lump us together and say, as believers, this is it. But from the, the foundations of all of us having the same needs, you also know that we have specific things in our life. So we worship you today and we listen to you today. And we want to be obedient to you today. So Father, we'll not end this prayer. We'll just keep it going because we want to keep listening to you. Prayer is a two-way street we've learned in the past. We talk and we listen. And Father, we now listen. As we've been going through this study on holiness... I invite you to turn back to our foundational verses in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, or 15 and 16, excuse me. And we know that God has called us to be holy. In verse 15 of chapter 1 of 1 Peter, it says, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And we've been talking about that for a couple of weeks, and I said I was going to take a time out last week and uh, do a message on, on Labor Day, and I did that, except I also discovered that in the process of doing that, I found holiness in the midst of that as well. Uh, and God is just so good. He just keeps unwrapping things to us and for us. Now, 
Remember the, the Greek word for holy is what? Remember the word? Hagias, yeah. I, I just love to say it. It's just a fun word. <laughs> I can't get over it. It's just hagias. I just like that. And hagias means what? Different. You know, the Sabbath is holy. It's different. The temple is holy. It's different. We as believers are different than people who are not believers. And that's what it means to be different. And, and we talked about in that first week how there are different definitions of holiness. But we wrapped it up by saying with one basic concept. Holiness is reflecting the character of God. That's what he's asked us to do. To reflect his character. And, and, and emphasize the word reflect. We, we are just reflecting back what he is doing in our lives because he's told us, you shall be holy. It's not optional. And at the point of salvation, he makes us holy by transforming us and forgiving us our, our sins and bringing us into the family of faith. And he makes us holy on the inside, but then he also gives us the responsibility of working that out. And uh, that's what we see in verse 15. It says, but as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. And, and we talked about that, that uh, in the, the verses 13 through 14 where we talked and in one of our sessions, the fact that we, we are to prepare your minds, we're to be sober-minded, we're to set our hope on the grace that has been brought to you at the revelation of Christ. And as obedient children, we are not to be conformed to the passions of our former ignorance. And, and so it's, it's all there, and we're in the process of reflecting his character. And, and what are some of the characteristics of God that you think of at that point? Talk back time. What is it? What, what's the character of God? Love. Good. You got the first one. It says God is love. I was hoping you wouldn't miss that one. That's good. What else? What else do you know about God? Unchanging. Forgiving. Joyful. Eternal. Righteous. And if you look over at Galatians 5, through 23, and you get the fruit of the Spirit, which I think is also descriptive of Him. And as we go through the, the study today, we're also going to find some characteristics about God because that is our responsibility to be holy in all of our conduct, reflecting the character of God. And as we learned last week, as we were trying to do the, the Bible study on what it means to work, that God has made work a wonderful privilege rather than a heavy task. Uh, that whatever we eat or drink or whatever we do, we do it all to the glory of God. But today what I want to do is I want to give you some characteristics of the people, of the person who is seeking to live that kind of holy life. Again, you and I cannot be holy by just doing it on our own. He does it through us as we yield to Him. Always remember that. What was the little phrase I gave you at one point? Holiness is not the way to Jesus. Jesus is the way to holiness. It's all centered in Christ, Christ in you, your hope of glory. He produces in you holiness, 
as you allow him to do it. Anybody comes up to me and says, well, I just can't be holy. There's no way I can be holy. What you're saying to me is I refuse to let God do what God told me he wanted to do and is capable of doing. That's what your confession is. And I know that to be true because I looked myself in the mirror and I said that in times past. And he scolded me in love and he disciplined me in love and said, T-Mac, let go and let me. Let me produce it in you. And I'll get the glory from it. And he has, I trust, received glory as he has worked in my life, as he's working in your life. And so today, what I want to do is, is going to be, this is going to be really something different. I haven't ever done this with you, but I want to take the word holy, H-O-L-Y, and I want to use those four letters, and I want to give you four characteristics that are based on H-O-L-Y to help you remember I needed this for my own life as I was working through my own study, my own process of going through this process of of trying to allow God to to get me to the point where I could trust Him for Him to begin to produce some holiness in me. And so, uh, this may be silly for you, but it was helpful to me. So we're going to start with the first letter of the word holy, and we're going to look at a characteristic and the first word of a, of, of a person who is seeking to be holy, to allow God to produce His holiness in us, is they are happy. They are happy, but that's the word, but let me attach it always to a phrase. Happy in surrender. They're not just happy people. They're happy in surrender. To the Father. Turn, if you will, to Matthew. Matthew chapter 5. We're going to bounce all over the Word of God this morning to try to illustrate what I'm talking about in these four words, these four phrases that I'm going to give you. And if you go to Matthew chapter 5, it's the first chapter of the, uh, the three chapters that make up the Sermon on the Mount. And we're pretty familiar as he first gets started on that. He starts with the Beatitudes, or the attitudes to be. (laughs) This is who we ought to be. And he says, beginning in verse 3, he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, in our modern translations, we we call that blessed. If you look at the actual Greek word, uh, makarios, what it's talking about is happy. That's how you would translate it. But we don't write here, blessed, uh, we don't write happy are those who are poor in spirit. And one of the reasons we don't do that in the English language is happiness to us means something different than happiness in the original language. We are happy when everything's going our way, when our investments are up and I have money in the checkbook and the kids are happy and the kids are healthy and I'm 
getting along with my spouse and the job is doing well and my football team is winning and I'm happy. Right? Two of you are. (laughs) What happens when everything goes south? Are you happy? No. We grumble and gripe. But that's not what makarios means. What makarios means is happy, but it is a joy that is serene and self-contained inside of you. It's untouchable. The things of the world can't touch it. I remember growing up as a little kid, uh, singing a little chorus, The world didn't give it to me and the world can't take it away. Some of you are grinning and nodding your head. You remember that little chorus. Yeah. That is the meaning of happiness in the Greek language. So when things are going bad, I'm just as happy. I'm just as joyful as when everything's going my way. It's like Paul at midnight in the depths of the prison where all he could do, think of, do was to break out in praise and joy and singing and having a good time. That's not what I would have done in prison. (laughs) But that's what he's talking about. And people who are pursuing the holiness of God, saying, God, do that in me, do that in me. They're happy in surrender. What's the universal sign of surrender? Show me. That's that's it. That that's touchdown. That's I surrender. Okay? There's a difference. There's a difference. And surrender says, I give up. You're in charge. I trust you. And I'm happy in surrender. And that may be the hardest part of becoming holy, where we let go and let God do what God wants to do in our life. But I hope you will be a person that's happy because you are happy in surrender. The O to me stands for obedience. Obedience to God. Obedience to God. Look at Acts chapter 5. Turn over to Acts chapter 5 and let me give you an illustration of this. In Acts chapter 5, a lot happens in this chapter and we're going to forget the the first part of it uh, because we don't have time to look at everything. But if you'll look down, um, beginning about verse 14, it says that that, uh, so many things were happening around them that more than ever believers were being added to the Lord that multitudes of both men and women. Up to this point in Acts, they've been talking about numbers that were added. There were 3,000 and then there were 5,000 and there was all this this addition and all of a sudden the, the writer says, it's just multiplying. We can't keep up with the numbers. It is exploding. And as a result, these guys, the apostles, were out sharing the gospel all of the time. And it ticked off the religious leaders of the community. 
And so what, what do ticked off leaders do? They go arrest people that they disagree with and they threw them in jail. And an interesting story is in this as you read on through and you'll have to read it on your own. I'll just kind of highlight it. During the night, an angel came and released Peter from the prison. And nobody even knew it. We don't know how he got out. It, it, it was a God thing. As a matter of fact, the next morning, the leader said, go get Peter and John and bring them on in here. And they went and they found the cell doors locked and the inside empty. And they came running back and they said, oh, we got a problem. The guards are there. The doors are locked. The jail cell is empty. And they were out talking about Jesus. That's what Peter was doing. He was out talking about Jesus. And so they went out and got him and brought him back in again. And look at verse 27. And it says, And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name. Yet here you are, having filled Jerusalem with all of your teaching." And you intended to bring this man's blood upon us. Uh-oh, they tipped their hand on what really bothered them. And look what Peter said. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. Is that descriptive of your life? I don't care what somebody tells me I can or can't do. When God tells me something, that's what I'm going to do. When I read something in the Word and it says, this is what I'm supposed to do, that's what I'm going to do. Is that descriptive of us? Are we happy? Are we obedient? Go, if you will, over to James. And let's look at another place here. James. And you know this very well James 22 it says but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourself be doers be obedient of the word we all know Nike Nike's really in the news this weekend <laughs> And they're in a lot of hot water. We're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Nike, which is a Greek word. And the Greek word Nike means victory. Any surprise that the company picked that Greek word to name their company? Victory in sports. And what is the swoosh? That's that's their logo. But what's their slogan? Just do it. Listen, God has just allowed something to happen here that gives us an opportunity to just be able to talk more and more about Jesus. Just do it. Just do it. And as you look there, it says, but be doers of the word and not hearers, only deceiving yourselves. And go down to verse um, 25, the last part of it, and says, but, well, let's read the whole verse 25. 
But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, bearing no hearer who forgets, being no hearer of who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in what he is doing. Such good news. We will be blessed if we are obedient. So we're happy in surrender. We're obedient to the Lord. And the L is for listening. It is for listening. Go back to Matthew. This time go to Matthew 17. We're getting along in the ministry of Jesus Christ at this point. And and he's been talking to his followers about his impending death and his ultimate resurrection. And he's been talking to them about that. He's given them, just given them the challenge to take up your cross and to follow me. And then in, in chapter 17, verse 1, he says, And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him, with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will build three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. Yay, go get them, Peter. And he was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Period. Right? No. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Duh. This is God. And he is among you. He is my son. And he's going to tell you some things. Listen to him. Go to Revelation. Go to Revelation. Chapter 3. The first part of this book, as you get into the chapters just here at the beginning in, in chapter 3 are, are a series of letters written to the church. Let's see how well they listen to him. And if you go to uh, Revelation three fourteen, And to the angel of the church at Laodicea, the words of the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Were that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich and I have prospered and I need nothing, not realizing you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes, though that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, 
I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant to him to sit with me on my throne. And I also, as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. I'm going to be bold. And if you want to fire me, you can. First Baptist Church of Independence, Kansas. God wants to do something in you and through you to reach this community for Christ. You that have ears to hear, listen to him. And don't walk out of these doors in a few moments and say, what time does the ball game begin? By the way, it's at three something this afternoon. Forget it. Are you listening to him? If he were to say, get up and go to your next door neighbor and share Jesus with him, Would you do it during the ball game you want to watch? A little later, God. Man, we got a rookie starting at quarterback. This is is a make or breaks. First Baptist Church of Independence. You that have ears to hear. Let him hear. Let her hear. May we be happy and surrender and obedient to whatever he tells us. And notice we are to be obedient even before he tells us. When you look at holiness, I surrender. I promise I will be obedient. And now I want to listen to see what you want to tell me. I've signed the Blake check. I will listen now and hear your voice. I'm not chastising you. I'm encouraging you. What would happen if everybody hearing this really started listening and doing what God told you? Not what what T-Mac's telling you, but what God's Spirit is telling you. And the Y stands for Yearning, not yielding. I used the word yielding earlier when I was talking about my life, but what I want to say here, it's yearning because this is where it makes the difference. Go to Psalm 42. I've got to hurry. I'm taking too much time. Psalm 42. Listen to the psalmist. Verse 1. As the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Wow. There is a yearning to be in His presence. But then listen to Him. He says, My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? 
These things I remember as I pour out my soul and I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise and a multitude keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. Life is not always easy, and the psalmist did not find himself in an easy place, but he says, regardless of what's going on around me, I thirst for God, just like a deer that is dying of thirst, looking for that cool, fresh water. When was the last time you found yourself saying, God, if I don't hear from you, I'm done. I'm through. God, I need a word from you. I remember being in that place. I remember sending my family away. I remember getting alone with God and said, God, I am not going to move until you talk to me. And he did. And it changed my life and it changed my ministry. And God began to do something that only can be described. God did it. God did it. Go to Philippians. Philippians, we've been studying that during our summer break in our pastor's class. and So for those of you who have been here, this is a little repeat. But listen to the yearning in the soul of Paul. Paul's just talked about his pedigree and what God had placed him in and what he had received. And he says, but whatever gain I had, I counted loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. And for his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them just as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith that I may know him, that I may experience him and the power of his resurrection and share his sufferings, becoming like him in death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Do you see the very yearning in his soul that says, God, I'll give it all up. Matter of fact, I have given it all up. I've lost everything in order to experience you. You're probably finding yourself in one of two places this morning. I hope this doesn't describe you. Penned by a man named Wilbur Reese. He said, I would like to buy $3 worth of God, please. Not enough to explode my soul or disturb my sleep. Just enough to equal a cup of warm milk and a snooze in the sunshine. I don't want enough of him to make me love a black man or pick beets with a migrant. I want ecstasy, not transformation. I want the warmth of the womb, not a new birth. 
I want a pound of the eternal in a paper sack. I would like three dollars worth of God, please. Oh, is that where you are? I hope not. Here's where I hope you are. And some of you have talked to me during this series and you're, you, this is who you're talking to me about or what's going on in your life and I think it's a good sign. I know it's frustrating. I know it's hard, but it's a good sign. You're saying, I want this holiness. I want him to do this work in me. But it seems like the more I try to yield and 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 let him do what he wants to do, the more I see I need to do. Yeah. Think of it this way. Pretend this room has no windows, no lights, total darkness, total blackness. But even as it is at this point, think about this. You've been breathing air all the time. You've been singing and visiting and preaching, or hearing me preach. Some of you wish you were preaching instead of me. Um, and you've not noticed the air quality in this room. But if I were to get this pitch black with not a single ray of light and all of a sudden turn a bright spotlight on and penetrate the darkness with a column of light, you would see dirt and dust drifting through the air and you would go, Ew, I've been breathing this. And that doesn't take into account the microscopic things you can't see. But here's the beautiful part of it is, Jesus is the light. And the closer you get to the light, the brightness shines. And the more you see you need to change because He has already changed you enough and brought you closer to Him to where now you begin to see all the other things. It's not a sign of failure. It's a sign of God bringing you along to say, I see even more I need to surrender to Him to find even more happiness. And I need to be more obedient to clean up what is around me that's not right in my life. And therefore, I'm going to listen even harder because I'm going to yearn even more to walk with Him. Three dollars worth of God in a paper sack. Uh-uh, not me. I want to walk with God. Let's pray.